Consumer Watch with Wendy Nola. Hello, Wendy lady. Hello, Darren. Good to be with you again. Consumer issues abound. And when this one jumped out at me, I was like, why can't wait until Thursday and we can speak to Wendy Nola about this one? So as yeah. it turns out, if you're in hospitality and you were hoping for a safety net, that is not the case. Insurance institutions have found a loophole. They have found a loophole. They found a self-serving interpretation of the contagious diseases cover in the business insurance insurance policies. Just for a little bit of context, Darren, business interruption insurance is not all created equal. So some of these restaurants and guest houses and hotels wouldn't have had anything but the standard fire and other sort of normal flooding, those sorts of calamities. But some had an extra sort of boutique clause that covered more unusual things. Mm -hmm. Among them, a clause that went something like, an outbreak of an infectious or contagious disease occurring within 50 kilometers of the business, right? Mm. Now you'd think, well, that would cover just about every, 50 kilometers yep. is quite a, a radius. It would cover just about every restaurant or guest house or whatever that had to close down as a result of, of the lockdown on midnight, March 26. No. But the, the insurers... The big guys are saying, no, this was never intended to cover a pandemic. If it was, the cover would have been unaffordable mm. because we were so at risk. So no, only if your business closed down, so this would have to have been before March 26. If your business closed down because or staff members or you as the owner was tested positive for COVID and the place had to be closed down. You can imagine being a guest house or a restaurant, particularly a guest house that still isn't allowed to open except for less than 5% of business for those who were quarantined and for now very, very limited business travelers. You know, it's not enough to sustain them and their staff and everything else. Last week, our insurance broke ranks um, to the surprise of most people and revealed that since April, it's actually been honoring these business interruption claims. Their clause also said an outbreak of an infectious disease occurring within 50 kilometers of the business. But their CEO said, no, in our view, they're covered. And if they had that clause in their policy, they're covered. We need to get cash to the businesses with the right cover in place as soon as possible, said their CEO, Donnie Matia. We understand cash flow is king for small and medium businesses, and we're pleased that we could be of assistance. So, yes, very nice marketing for insurance, although they could have said something back in April. But what it's done is shown up the rest of the industry, right? So they're not yeah. looking so lecker. But I wanted to say, which was a very occasion in angle, um, yesterday I attended a Zoom press conference hosted by Insurance Claims Africa, a company which has more than seven and a half thousand claimants, people whose claims have been rejected, even though they had that contagious disease um, clause in their business interruption policy. And the Tourism Business Council was there as well. And they also had two affected hotel owners. And one of them was William van der Riet, who owns the Cathedral Peak Hotel in the Berg, which most mm -hmm. of us in people will be familiar with. Um, it's been run by and owned by that same van der Riet family for the last 81 years. William van der Riet came on and along with Meg Farga who owns the Badmarsh Country Lodge in Michalisburg and they were both I have to say almost in tears it was so hard to watch. William said the tragedy is that this could actually mean the end of the hotel. He said financially the overheads, he was very candid because he was asked very specific questions by the journalist. The overheads are 800,000 to a million rand a month but they've got nothing coming in, not one cent but they still have to 
pay medical aid, UIF, security, insurance premiums, ironically. He said, yes, there were some payment holidays, but they're all, all the payments are kicking in now. We don't have an income. We don't know when we'll have an income. Mm. We lie awake at night wondering where the next money is going to come from. I've put my personal money into the business. He said, we owe seven to eight million rand and we have maxed out our credit. We can probably survive another month, maybe six weeks. So I honestly can't say where to from here unless we get help. And if you think that that story has been replicated in hundreds, if not thousands of other establishments around the country, it's them, their staff. Their staff come to them and say, help us. And they literally, are their backs are against the wall. It was mm. such a moving thing to watch. So Ryan Woolley, who's the CEO of Insurance Claims Africa, says um, and these companies involved are Bright Insurance, Suntum, Old Mutual Insurer, Guard Risk. Ryan Woolley says in their view, the claims are being unfairly rejected mm. um, by saying that the pandemic or well, pandemics in general were not an insurable event. He says the policy wording did not exclude a pandemic and they expect the courts to agree. So they're trying to put together without going into too much detail, some kind of class action because they're various groups of attorneys that have lots of other um, rejected claimants under them, guest houses, restaurant owners. Um, there are even a few um, other uh, uh, beauty salons and those kind of operators as well who, who weren't able to open and they're saying we implore the boards and the shareholders of those insurers to take a long hard look at themselves and ask should we be doing this they're saying they must get their reinsurers to come to the party and they're also saying we understand that if they paid every single claim in full they would go bust the quantum yeah. for those seven and a half thousand claimants is three and a half to four billion rand yeah. but they're saying we we can compromise we can accept them imposing limits saying okay we're only going to pay out for three months or say we're going to pay you a lump sum now to save you and yeah. the rest over time we said but they're just mm -hmm. saying no and they're digging their heels in so this is a story darren that's um shaping up to be one massive class of a story Yes, and, and, and the implications are so massive because as, as you know, they said, this is not just the hotels themselves. The, 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 the value supply chain is absolutely massive. It's mm. all the suppliers, so, you know, the, 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 the food suppliers, the, the smaller fresh produce suppliers that supply these um, hotels and guest houses in the, the more rural areas. It's all, they, they fund schools, they, you know, you can imagine. And then all the, the interior decorating um, industry, the, mm. you know, the linen suppliers, but it is, it is a yeah, massive, the, massive industry. The and these guys, the knock-on is, so in the next few weeks, at least the next at most the next month um we're going to see a lot of movement here and i think it's an important story for consumers to know about um now i think um so if we do yeah it is again unprecedented times you would really think that these people would be covered the cathedral peak story is a microcosm of so many businesses in south africa the nation and the world um but the, the consumer point that I want to get to is, uh, were we aware that um, that policies could be so subjective? I mean, you don't get more on the nose than if your business is 50 kilometers from an epidemic, you would be covered. You don't really get more on the nose than that. And yet um, the insurance companies seem to feel that they they 
can interpret it that way. Is, yes. The, so, the, what degree of subjectivity do they have? It's an excellent question, Darren Moore. And I think it goes to the heart of the kind of widespread spread traditional mistrust that consumers and sort of businesses, big and small, have um, about the industry and saying, you know, you'll, they'll do anything not to pay. Mm. What was particularly galling in this case was that when lockdown happened and um, the guys that did were paying extra and quite a bit extra I have to say for this business interruption insurance that covered contagious diseases they must have heaved a sigh of relief and started putting their claims in and that the insurers didn't initially say no and this is why this was never meant to be for a pandemic they said, okay, fine. And through the brokers and whatever, yes, fine, submit this paperwork, your proof of earnings, okay, now submit that paperwork. In the case of Badmarsh Country Lodge, I think she said they were strung along for six weeks. William Funderreed said it was three months. Do this, do that, more hoops yeah. to jump through. And only then, finally, at the end of that exhausting process where hope was still sort of being kept alive, only then came the very blunt rejection. So I think initially... I think there was a lot of um, talks with their reinsurers who are based overseas. We don't, we don't see them. With the, they're, they're pulling the strings. I think they, when they realized as lockdown dragged on and they realized how much mm. money was involved, they then just yeah. said, right, you know, we're not paying. And that's when these hard, cold rejection letters went they out. They probably did the math um, and said a class action will cost uh, us maybe yeah. half or whatever. And uh, Yeah, so... I think some form of class action is inevitable if they don't come to the party. Um, I, I must say, watching that press conference today was was very, very hard. It was emotional, very raw. You could just really get a sense of what that industry is dealing with. The, the anxiety levels and depression must be off the chart. So, as um, the CEO of the Tourism Business Council, Chafiwa Chafengwa, said... Um, and he he was also very emotional. He didn't pull his punches at all. He said, look, the business insurance claims have been rejected. The TERS payment, which are those temporary employer um, payments from government, they're coming mm. to an end. The leisure hospitality, uh, leisure hospitality within provincial borders is not allowed. You can only stay over somewhere for business. Yeah. He says, we are being put into a corner and something is bound to happen. He said, I'm starting to admire the taxi industry for the way that they make things happen. He said, we played by the rules, even when they've made no sense to us. But it's come to the point that we have to take drastic action. Something is going to have to give, and it's not going to be nice. It was that kind of a meeting, though, and it was really... Wow. Yeah, well, for, for, for good reason. Gloves off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, it's what happens in the next month is going to mm. determine whether the bulk of these establishments... Um, survive or not. Even if the restaurant industry, I mean, they're slowly able to trade, but very restrictively. No alcohol sold. I know your feelings on the matter, but for many, going to a restaurant mm. and not being able to have a glass of wine with your meal is not mm. appealing. Um, and, you know, plus the social... Well, you know what? I'm price. sure I'm sure there's, there's, there's an old Durban trick where you would have your Don't wine go there. in a tumbler with a, a can of, of grape ties yeah, yeah. next to it. And I'm sure so, that will... Be, well, well, you know, the whole thing is the government saying you will not drink on the premises. I, I've felt that lots of can I take my own, can I do that, whatever. Yeah. But the, on, technically, you, that can't happen. So the, the restaurants yeah. 
ability to get back to the pre-lockdown or pre pre uh, uh, state of disaster trading levels is very <laughs> limited yeah. so but if something doesn't happen um and something you know something doesn't happen in terms of um these claims being paid out or governments government stepping mm. in with some kind of relief which i think we know is not going to happen then we our landscape and these businesses and everything that they support they're going to start to collapse and, and in a big way i just uh, this story bothers me mm. so much Wendy, so let me much. ask you but let me ask you a completely human question um with your consumer and journalism background but you know in in light of of the predicament we find ourselves in a, as a world right now a completely human question which is it's is this if we're led to believe the best science right now and if we follow what has happened uh, in the rest of the world realistically and with our numbers going up drastically in Gauteng um KZN will follow suit the country is not looking well. is in following fact, suit on yeah. the world meter South Africa has the fourth highest rate of infection on the on the planet we're just behind it's USA uh Brazil India and now it's us we're ahead of Russia in the infection uh, coronavirus uh, infection rates. We Sounds like are you not... are following it as obsessively as me but yes. Yes. Exactly. So here's here's the reality of it right the reality of it is we are only going to start peaking in about another week or two and then that, that flattening of that curve is going to go on for quite some time and if we're being completely pragmatic and in the best case scenario we could look at some semblance of a return to a normal as we as normal as we can get in about november that's, that's very uh, that's very much best case scenario yes okay that's best case scenario so we're looking at we've been under lockdown from march um, uh, so it's uh, april may june july august september um october we're looking at um and maybe november so we're looking at eight, seven, eight months what more can be done people have to social distance they have to stay away from um leisure and travel there is a global pandemic which kills people as out there half a million people around the world are dead as we speak and um what is the best case scenario if like just you and me spitballing the leisure leisure it sounds perhaps frivolous to be worrying about the leisure industry but the fact is that it it is it is contributes a huge amount to the fiscus and it and it it supports so many people in this country and some of them yeah. in far flung areas where there isn't much else going on in terms of job opportunities hmm. so we need to support them balance the lives with livelihood thing I, i'm very much following the science and i'm very much for don't be be idiotic like so many Americans have been that's caused their numbers uh, surge um but i would say certainly and i'm going to do do this is in a way that's comfortable for me start supporting restaurants and local lodges and whatever um as soon as is is legally possible because yes they're going to take a while to struggle back but we want them there in 5 to 10 years don't we we don't yeah. want to do without the industry and and i just think you know for the, for not just them as individual business owners but for the whole you know ecosystem that they support we we all we owe it to them we and and for ourselves ultimately as a country we can't let them 
can't let them go down. There's, there's just too much, too many people's lives, too many families um, that are at stake here. So, I, I mean, the only way I can answer that is to say, you know, balanced lives versus livelihoods and do what works for you to get back to supporting these businesses who have been at the forefront of um, of um, the brunt of, of COVID-19. And for longer than any of us imagined, do you know what I mean? I think three weeks, even six weeks, two months, fine. But but we're in July now, and it, this is just untenable. We need, I, I just, it's my personal view, I'll put it out there, but looking into the faces of those people and, list, and, mm. and listening to them talk about what their staff members and their suppliers, I mean, the one woman said, these big companies just really don't give a jot. They're sitting back in their ivory towers and saying, no, we're not, no. Some of their suppliers, the laundry business that does their laundry and the people that do the security said, you know, the laundry person said, pay us when you can, we understand. We, you know, pay us when you can. And the security guy said, can you just pay the salary of our security guy? You don't have to pay any profit for us, just our bare costs. Mm. It'll be fine. And so these small players, people, companies are showing, revealing themselves in this mm. in this pandemic, in this crisis. And that's the theme that you and I have been talking about a lot, is people mm. are, sh- companies, big and small, are showing what they're made of. Mm. Um, so now it's time, I think the companies that have the, the wherewithal, these big insurers, we don't want them to go under either, but compromise, pay some. Don't you say, no, we're not. It's not the time for those um, hardline you know, hard nose. We need to. We need to compromise. So let's see what happens. I'm really, really crossing all fingers and toes yeah. that 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 common decency prevails and mm. that these businesses can be saved. You see, my thinking on this is like you can take the restaurant scenario as a microcosm of all the other ones. And so much of our um, shrinking middle class is linked to um, the social or entertainment or um, tourism industry. And that has been completely obliterated. And whatever semblance of a middle class we had has has been you know, destroyed. So I understand um, a desire to get those wheels kind of turning again. But if you bring, we're forgetting the human element. And our government said to us, okay, guys, restaurants are open again. Let's social distance. Let's not sell alcohol because alcohols in restaurants prove that people socialize, they get close, they spread the virus. So let's, let's mm-hmm. leave the alcohol out. Let's have some distancing. Let's try and support the local businesses. Maybe, um, you know, there's some transport um, businesses that can do well. There's uh, the waitering and uh, the um, cleaning department and, and the, the whole knock-on effect of it. And literally overnight, the the amount, the sheer number of people who behave like Florida or um, California in, in, in light Texas. of all the numbers, which... Um, which could literally be instrumental in, in the, the numbers being as high as they are right now, right now, have behaved in a way it doesn't make it feasible. I, in an ideal world, you would say, okay, guys, these are the rules. Uh, travel only in your pods, take only your family, support these small businesses, social distance, wear your mask, don't, and, but we don't. And when the government said to us, it is all in your hands right now. We've done everything that we can to protect you and prepare ourselves. And now it's in your hands. And the fact how we are dealing with it in our hands is not admirable. It's, it's, 
we are it's... in actual fact we were asking our government to be uh, uh, nannies for us but we're the ones who are behaving like toddlers and spreading this virus and making it impossible for us to get to any semblance of, of normal well i'm uh, uh, what can i say but well said i mean um our health ministers william keys he posted a really moving thread on twitter on tuesday and he ended by saying he was talking about the alarming spike in Gauteng with KZN not far behind and of course Eastern Cape. And he said our biggest, it was a very long thread, and his, his last one was our biggest challenge is to make people understand and play their part. Yeah. That was it, almost verbatim. Exactly what you're saying. It's not a big ask really when you consider what we went through in lockdown level five. Yeah. Is just be sensible and don't wreck it for everybody. So, I mean, yeah. all we can do as journalists is repeat the message and hope that enough people take heed to, to prevent disaster. But, you know, he, he, yesterday on one of the, another radio station, the day before, mm. uh, Kize was saying, sure, Gauteng, we, we might have to go into another hard lockdown five. So mm. it is in our hands to a large extent. Um, and what else can we say? Just do your bit for everyone's sake. All right, so that's uh, nice to hear your perspective, and obviously coming from a journalist and consumer angle, that's you know invaluable. And also, um, did we cover enough about tours? Uh, I don't know if you wanted to say anything more about about that. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's just the way you said it. So it's tours. It's tours. It sounded a bit like something else. Um, it's the temporary, you're putting me on the spot now, temporary employers, it's basically a, um, a form of um, UIF paid by the government via the employee employers um, as temporary relief for those um, who um, couldn't work because of, you know, their businesses shut down or whatever during mm. lockdown. But um, as... Um, the Tourism Business Council pointed out those are coming to an end now, those who, mm. who, who were lucky enough. And it wasn't um, full payment, by the way. It was like a yeah. third or something. So it wasn't, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't do the trick. It didn't give you an opportunity to people. put something away for the next month. No, no, no. And it didn't even, in most people's cases, they couldn't even cover all their debit orders. But anyway, it was something. But that's over now. So that's what he was saying. Everyone's backs are just now firmly against the wall in the hospitality industry, particularly in guest houses that are barely doing any trade at all um, until they open up leisure. And um, so it's desperation with a capital D. It is now, as I say, next month is is um, showdown. Um, so much rest on what happens in the next few weeks. And I hope as we chat in successive Thursdays that um, I have some good news to talk about. We have some good news to talk about on that front. Let's hope so.